how that the Lanzina was spoken by somebody when a priest had come to deliver prayers and blessings over him as he lay dying um, and said, may God have mercy on your soul. To which he responded, why not? After all, it belongs to him.
but now Jesus is changing the focus. Jesus names the Holy Spirit to his friends and to us as the Advocate. And that's an interesting name. The Spirit is most often presented to us in church as a wind, a flame, living water, or a dove. One who blesses, refreshes, enlivens, excites, inspires, and runs free. But none of these qualities belong to the name Advocate, a serious, mature, intense worker. An advocate, by definition, is someone who speaks, pleads, argues in favor, supports by their argument, and urges others to support. An advocate can be thought of kind of like a lawyer, fighting for justice. And for Jesus, justice is an essential part of the work of the Holy Spirit, urging us on. Peace is a work of justice, and justice is a fruit of peace. They are both what the Spirit is prompting, as they are both the essence of all that Jesus has taught. The justice and peace the advocate inspires within us should help set our feet on the path of thoughtful action for healing, healing ourselves, our families, our neighborhoods, our church, and our world, anywhere where there are wounds and scars and injustices. John must have been very aware that the fear and despair that struck the disciples between the time of Good Friday and Easter morning would strike the future generations of the church very often. Ultimately, the comfort that Jesus' words offer are not so much a promise of what lies beyond death, although that is in there as well, but the promise of God's presence through the Spirit in our lives. And in that, there is peace. And peace is offered to the disciples in Jesus' last words to them in the scripture. He says, peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. Peace. Think of the word. You can almost just feel your whole body sigh with relief <coughs> and expectation when you hear Jesus use the word. But why? How do we understand peace? And what do we imagine that Jesus actually means to about it? Too often, I think we think of peace as simply the cessation of conflict. And clearly, an end to violence is a good thing. Many of us have prayed for peace in our community, in the world, and right now we're praying for peace in our own global Methodist church. But I think the peace Jesus offers is more than the absence of something negative. Indeed, I think it has its own presence and its own gravity. When someone reports feeling at peace, for instance, here she is reporting more than an absence of conflict, but instead testifies to a sense of wholeness, even brightness, of and in their very being. It's a sense of harmony with people and events that are going on around us. Peace indicates a sense of contentment, and even more, a sense of fulfillment. A sense that in this moment, one is basking in God's pleasure. And you know, that can come even at times of hardship and struggle and conflict and disruption. Think again of the timing of Jesus' promise for peace. It's the night of his betrayal, the evening when he will be handed over to those who hate him and will go on to execute him. And yet in that moment, he not only senses peace, he gives it to others. This peace is a gift of God, something we sense most keenly when we give over to God a certain amount of control of the things we worry about normally, feel pressured by. Not that we surrender responsibility, 
but rather that we recognize there are limits to what we can affect or achieve on our own. And sensing those limits, we place ourselves, our loved ones, our fortunes, and our future in God's hands. And God's response is to give us peace. A peace that allows us to lift our gaze from the troubles that beset us and see those around us as gifts of God, worthy of our love and attention. Brazilian theologian Leonardo Bach writes about the Holy Spirit with these words, quote, The highest expression of the Spirit is the one that opens us to the great other. In love and trust, it establishes a dialogue with God, listens from the conscience to God's call, and delivers us trustingly into the palm of God's hand. By grace, we participate in God's very being. End quote. Jesus goes on with his final words on that night. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Indeed, one might wonder if the world gives at all. All too often, you see the rules of the world are anything of value is determined by its cost. You need to watch out for number one, that there is simply not enough to go around, and that one is in constant competition with all others for scarce resources. Peace from this perspective is at best a break, a moment of rest, a brief lull from the fray of everyday life, and the constant need to be secure, born, and protect. Peace is a commodity we sorely need in our world and is absent for far too many. But Jesus tells us he gives differently than the world. Jesus gives freely, with no expectation of return. Only the hope that transformed by this peace we might pass it on. Giving to others the gift that we have received. Notice that he does more than gently wish them peaceful lives. He gives them peace. This isn't a passive peace. It's an active working toward peace in multiple situations. The spirit and peace will propel the disciples and later the church into active discipleship and mission. Their presence of this peace reminds me of one of my favorite quotes in life, and that is, breathe in peace and breathe out love. It is with the presence of this peace given by God in Jesus' name which enables the disciples and us to live lives of faithfulness. In this context, we can rightly imagine that peace is not something the disciples are feeling right now. They have traveled the highways and byways with Jesus as he healed and taught and changed the world. And now, in his impending absence, he leaves them with what they need to continue his work. After this discourse, Jesus intended for the disciples to feel his peace and presence always through the Spirit and the continued teaching and in the connectedness of the community of believers. I wonder how often we really sense the depth of God's gift of peace, the promise that no matter what happens, God will not abandon us, will not leave us orphaned, but is always working for our good and through us for the good of our neighbors and our how often do we feel caught up in and by God's peace? The promise that peace, that, I'm sorry, that God loves us more than anything and will hold on to us through all that might come. How often do we sense God's deep purpose that we not only experience this peace, but actively go out to share it with others? How often have we accepted what the world offers as peace only to discover it is a hollow promise? 
Today we hear Jesus' final words. In offering us peace, we can move forward, understanding that God's peace isn't something you can seek or grasp, but receive. That only as we release our grip on the many things we are trying to hold on to do we discover that with open hands, we can receive, receive God's gift of peace. And that in those moments when we are convinced that it is all up to us, God is there, offering us God's peace, a gift the world cannot give. With all this in mind, I ask you to bask for a moment in God's pleasure, in the confidence that God loves us and wants to use us for good. Although this is not something we do here regularly, I would like to invite you to turn to the person next to you or the person in front of you or behind you and bless them with that same gift, saying simply and meaningfully, the peace of Christ be with you. Peace of Christ be with both of you. Is she done now?